And this week, we're going to do a deep dive into TCU's schedule and some of their opponents with Grant McGalliard of Frogs of War. Grant is somebody who really understands the big picture of the Big 12 and all the things that are going on on the field and off the field. And he's got a penchant for humor, and we really enjoy having him around. And so we've got a good listen this week as Grant and I dive into the specific uh, units and opponents that TCU is going to face this fall and then talk a little bit about the quarterback situation. Without further ado, here's the podcast. All right, I've got Grant McGalliard with us uh, here from Frogs of War. Uh, You've read a bunch of his stuff online, and you've seen him all over Twitter, and now we finally have him out in front of everyone here uh, in the podcast universe. So, uh, Grant, thanks for coming on tonight. Yeah, absolutely, Parker. Thanks for having me, man. I'm, uh, I'm pumped to be here. For sure, and I'm uh, I'm excited to talk to you. I think the first time we met in person was actually at Big Twelve Media Days. Yeah. Although we've been at Frogs of War both for what two years now, or a year and a half for you? Yeah, a year and a half for me. And yeah, I was just standing there looking at the giant screen in Jerry World, and you just go, "Hey, are you Grant?" I'm like, "Yeah." I'm like, "Awesome." If we work together, how about that? I think that was the yeah. first time I met Melissa uh, in person as well. Interesting. Uh, yeah, it was a, it was a big week for me. That's a big, yeah, it's a big deal. That's all I was, at Big 12 Media Days, all I was doing was creeping on badges. Uh, just like as people walked by, I was like, who is that person doing with them? Uh, yeah, so cool. Well, yeah, I want to talk about a bunch of stuff today. We're going to do some season preview. We're going to do some schedules. Um, we're going to talk about the most important games for TCU. We're going to talk about some personnel that is going to play for TCU this season, and that is going to be playing against TCU and why that might be important. So before we get to that meaty stuff, I do want to spend a minute uh, because I think I think our listeners and our readers want this content. You, Grant, are perhaps the preeminent list writer uh, in the Big 12. Sure. That is, you are the, the one who writes Big 12 coaches or Big 12 players as X, Y, or Z. So I think this summer we've gotten uh, Big 12 teams as founding fathers, yep. Big 12 teams as bachelorette candidates, mm-hmm. um, and also most recently Big 12 coaches as middle school yeah, te- teachers. Yeah, teachers, librarians, you know, things of that nature. Yeah. Yeah. And Parker, I think you know as well as, as, as anyone that, you know, the off season is a really long and painful stretch. Uh, and when I sit down on Sunday and I tell Melissa what I'm going to write, every now and then they can't all be winners. But every now <laughs> and then, you know, I, I say, okay, well, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to write something. And uh, I think, you know, everyone likes The Bachelorette. I know your wife's watching it right now, right? She is. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm missing Bachelor in Paradise for this podcast, so you should feel honored. Uh, and you know, and, and just you know, just fun things that kind of keep people's you know energy up, people's excitements up for for the season. Because Lord knows, I can only read my own analysis of football so many times before it starts to get you know stale. So just trying to write something new and different and funny, and uh, hopefully people like it, or at least no one boos me and you know airs me out on the internet. Which, by the way, did you see that? Uh, I, wide right Natty Light, I think, had the best list. Yes, uh, yes, that's all the that entire off season, which was uh, Big Twelve schools as lists of Big Twelve schools. Uh, that's a pretty good it, one. It was incredible. Yeah, I, I, I was, I tip my cap to them. It was amazing. I, I was especially, you know, because uh, EDSBS, the mm-hmm. football site, kind of died, and now it's Banner Society and doing other things. And I felt like that was very in the spirit of EDB, EDSBS, uh, and so that was that was really fun. And, I think every college football writer owes a massive debt to Spencer Hall and UDSBS at this point. So, yes, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, well, those those are funny, and, and check those out. And I think it's a great, a great indicator of how well the offseason went mm-hmm. that we 
got to sit around and make stupid lists and laugh at them and didn't have to talk about coaches being gross and right. we didn't have to talk about Lincoln Riley saying stupid things about defense. So uh-huh. it's been a, a refreshing off season. Yeah, um, has, has it been boring? Like I, that's probably a good thing. Like you said, there's no big major scandals, but it's been kind of a boring off season. Yeah, there was a little bit of like the Jalen Hurts drama, but honestly that resolved too quickly to be a to compelling right. storyline. And then especially on the TCU front, We've just kind of been, you know, rearing at the gate, uh, ready to go, knowing that, hey, we were bad last year and we're going to be good this year. So um, I definitely think that it's been a little bit, a little bit boring. I'm, I'm definitely antsy. We're at what, T minus, you know, 14, 13 days or something yeah, until college football? Like yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely antsy. I think it's been pretty calm, pretty tame, even with all this coaching turnover in, in the Big 12, which is interesting. But yeah, I, it, it is what it is. It is. And listen, I think at the end of the day, you know, it's hard to say what's going to happen. I mean, that's the biggest cliche in the world, but we're, I'm just so jacked up to see what's, you know, what these new coaches are going to do, what these new players are going to do. And like you said, if TCU can turn it around, that we've been talking about it for so long and we're so tag come close, Parker, that I, I'm just over the moon. I can't wait for it to get started. Definitely. I'm in, I'm in the same boat. Um, all right, so let's go ahead then and turn our attention to the season. So, Grant, you'll, you're familiar, and I think most of our listeners will be familiar with the idea that Gary Patterson has about three seasons inside of a season. Yep. And so he kind of breaks it up and says you go non-conference games, then you get to your first bye week, and then you have the home stretch. Mm-hmm. And that's definitely true of this season, although a little bit weird because TCU does have um, three non-conference games, but they have a bye in the middle of those. And then they have two conference games and that second bye, and then seven straight conference games. So a lot on the line in terms of sequencing and in terms of what's going on. You wrote earlier this summer um, a piece about three games that will define TCU's football season. Yeah. So I'd like to just talk to you about that and, and ask, uh, tell me about the most important game on TCU's football, TCU football season, um, and then tell me about the other two that are going to kind of shape this. So what's the most important game TCU has coming up this fall? Yeah, so I think there are a couple ways to look at it. Um, but if I had to pick one, it, it would be against Texas um, on October 26th. Uh, obviously, that is not that much of a surprise. Texas is traditionally a good team. TCU hates losing to Texas. They had a four-game winning streak over to Longhorns until last year. Um, and it comes sort of right in the middle of that long – well, it's actually – so it's the second Big 12 game uh, after the bye week, October 26th. Um, and that will keep, you know, let, let's say we're, we're, we're five and one, you know, whatever we are at that point. Either we win that game and it gives us big momentum going into the rest of the season or they lose that game. And now, OK, where you have you have to win every big 12 game that you're supposed to win on the way out in order to compete for, you know, a good bowl berth, something like that. So not only is Texas a really good team, but where that game is in the schedule uh, will sort of give us an indication of how good TCU is going to be. Uh, in 2019 because it's you know, really going to establish us as a contender or kind of relegate us back to that middle of the pack that, that TC was in last year. Um, and again, it's Texas, and no one likes to lose to Texas. Definitely. Um, and it's uh, TCU's lost to Texas one time at home since they joined the Big 12. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could go going into that game, you could see 6-0, and you could see 5-1. and yep. 4-2 and might be a little bit of a disappointment, but that Texas game is really the, um, really the turn there. Uh, noting too, last year TCU um, was leading at the half, 
ended up having a post-game win expectancy of 14 percent um just because they completely undid you know that that sean robinson interception to brandon jones was just like the unmaking of a man i feel so bad for sean because it was like wide open pass and he just threw it straight to the db and you saw the season spiral and you could see a team with some momentum going into texas and uh messing up and and getting the whole season derailed so i think i agree with that being the um the most important game, and all I, right? I think oh, it's also, no. I'm just gonna say I think it's also going to be extremely close. Um, if you look at you know ESPN's predictor, which I just use as a random metric, uh, TCU is a 50.6% favorite. So it's the truest Ooh. coin flip on the schedule, um, and and uh, that's going to be interesting as well to see. You know, if we do get in close games down the stretch, are we going to be able to? Are we going to be able to convert those um, against good teams? But that's just another yeah, factor. I was, I was trying to look. I did those subjective win probabilities that I'm going to put in a post here pretty soon, but I don't have that. I don't have that data handy. But I think my line was TCU beats Texas greater or less than 50, um, just because it is going to be a little bit of a coin flip because it depends a lot on who Texas is this year. Um, I think I think Texas is equally talking about how TCU is is one of their most important games. Oh, for sure, and because Texas, yeah, that's that's going to be right around when the Cotton Bowl is. I mean, if it's near the Texas State Fair, that's what well, let's see Texas Oklahoma. Um, yeah, and you know Tom Herman doesn't want to lose to Gary Patterson. Yeah, so okay, so they play Oklahoma on October twelfth, so it's two weeks after that. So yeah, that, that's a huge stretch for the Longhorns as well. Yeah, and they you know they have to go to Kansas, which I want to joke about, but it's no, I guess they have Kansas at home, which for Texas is even more dangerous. Do you know so, how disappointing that is that we can't make those jokes anymore? I man, I did this. It's going up today, but I I did a or tomorrow I did a. Um, a post about expected points added because I've got the data mm-hmm. and I was like, Hmm, what are the, you know, the best and worst plays TCU's done. And that, that fumble at the end of the Kansas game was like minus 11 expected point. Like it was the worst play of the big 12 all year. It was just terrible. It's like watching yeah. a car crash. Yeah. Uh, talking about it gives me the hives. I hate that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's, let's move forward and uh, remember uh, better years of beating Kansas pass. Mm-hmm. Uh, so next on your list uh, is what game? What is another, you know, kind of make or break game after, after Texas? What's another game that's going to decide TCU's season? Sure. So this is the second game of the season, uh, September 14th at Purdue. Um, a team that has been a doormat, you know, for several years running, but Rondale Moore, um, who I'll talk about later when we talk about sort of the enemy at the gates, the, the units that are really going to make or break um, teams that TCU plays against. It's just an incredible wide receiver. Um, he was an All-American last year. Um, and in that offense that Jeff Brom runs, he is an incredible weapon. Second game of the year, we don't want to assume anything, but guessing that TCU beats you know, Arkansas Pine Bluff, um, this is the first real competition. It's a night game uh, at Purdue. Uh, just really all the factors of a trap game. Uh, you know, ESPN gives TCU a 65% chance of winning this game, but I think it's going to be much more of a dogfight. And this is going to be another one of those games that sets the tone and, you know, will really put a test on the TCU defense uh, heading into the Big 12 season. Yeah, so um, talk to me a little bit about that, That because uh, presumably it would be Jeff Gladney against Rondell Moore, yep. which is probably the highest quality matchup you'll see out of anybody uh, in the Big 12 all season. Yeah, that, um, that and Tyler both, both Wallace sides. Uh, from Oklahoma State. Or yeah. Pretty much too. yeah. Yep. Um, so, so we got to look at that. And, you know, Purdue had the 17th best offense uh, in terms of S&P efficiency last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and in terms of passing, they were 24th. So um, 
Talk to me about what TCU is going to have to do that early in the season to kind of stop Purdue. Yeah, so um, Elijah Sindelar, uh, quarterback for Purdue, has an absolute rocket arm. He was not as healthy last year as Purdue would like him to have been, um, but he will throw the ball and he won't be afraid to throw it deep. Moore is not a big guy. He's 5'9", 175, um, much more of a speed type of receiver. Um, you know, Gladney, I think, is listed at six foot one eighty three. So, if he could muscle more around off the snap, that's kind of what they're looking for. And I, I really think that that's going to be the key is TCU using size. This is the biggest defensive secondary that Patterson's had um, in years. I mean, since he's been at TCU, so it's going to be about muscling those receivers around um, and making sure that they can't, you know, break cleanly off the route stuff like that. Um, that that's going to be. Uh, kind of the make-or-break factor in the passing game for TCU. And then, you know, stop the run. I mean, that, that's easy to say, but, you know, Braum wants to get out there and pass, and if we can just limit the running game and get those receivers off their rhythm uh, the passing game, then I think that'll really, really help uh, kind of limit that offense. Definitely. Um, something interesting to note as well is that Purdue plays with a true tight end, yeah. uh, kind of in that uh, his name... Uh, it's, uh, oh, Hopkins. It's, uh, Hopkins, uh, yeah. that's right. Yep. Yeah, and so with Hopkins, that'll be interesting to see how um, kind of there is the, the difference between that, that slot receiver, kind of shifty, almost uh, hybrid more, sure. and then a true tight end who can cover the middle and have some size. And, and, and he is big. I mean, he's the one big guy they got. He's 6'5", 245, and good Lord, that's a big man. But, you know, that's going to be, you know, do you stick a linebacker on him, do whatever you can do, um, and just kind of make sure he doesn't go deep and, and you know, kind of pick on, uh, you know, the the smaller defensive backs on the TCU side. But, yeah, it, that's going to be interesting. You know, I think a lot of coaches in the Big 12 talked about reintroducing the tight ends to their offense. So if Purdue does pick on TCU with Hopkins, then we might see that further on down the line if Big 12 coaches start using more tight ends uh, and, and saying, okay, this is what Purdue did to beat TCU. Now we can do the same thing. So, it, like I said, this game is really important for a lot of reasons, mainly because – Purdue does run that, you know, up-tempo, speed-type offense and can show teams how to beat TCU with the tight end if, if that works. Um, definitely. You you almost don't love the film that's going to be on tap. No. Uh, with SMU, uh, with with uh, Sonny Dykes over there running the air raid, and then with Purdue running this, you're going to have to throw a lot of your defensive playbook out mm-hmm. very early in the season. And especially with that seven-game stretch where you don't have the bye, that's going to be pretty tough to um, – you're not going to be able to adjust. You're going to have to adjust on the fly. So that's going to be pretty tough for them to have to uh, show all their cards early on maybe in order to beat two, two pretty good offenses and then have to uh, deal with teams targeting that later in the later in the season. I, I agree, and I think this might be the one place where that weirdly timed second bye week does help because, like you said, Purdue, SMU, they run those up-tempo kind of air raid styles. Then you get Kansas, and look, hadn't been a given. We talked about that, but that's the first Big 12 game. And Iowa State doesn't exactly spread the ball out that much. You know, it's certainly not you know the top half of the Big 12. And then you get the bye. So if you can use that bye week to you know reinstall new defenses, it's not like Kansas and Iowa State are going to be able to use too much stuff um, from the Purdue and SMU games. And then Kansas State is October 19th, so even if you're still you know putting it a different package or something, it, it's not going to kill you that bad. So that's lucky, I guess. That's the one good advantage of having that bye week there. Definitely. And TCU is bringing back most of the pieces uh, in the secondary from a defense that ranked uh, uh, ranked 12th in yeah. S&P last year, efficiency. And so you've got to think that, uh, again, I mean, again, last year they saw a variety of um, 
defense or offenses and they played well against them. So you've got to think the adjustments are there, but timing will be interesting to watch. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, you note in your piece, uh, the Purdue piece and that Enemy in the Gates uh, series Mm -hmm. that you did, uh, TCU's dealt with Alan Lazard pretty well and uh, James Washington. And then last year um, on the worst guy, the wide receiver for Oklahoma State, who's Uh, so great, Tyron Wallace. Yeah, yeah, Tyron Wallace. Jeff Gladney shut him down. He he had like, what, two catches, I think, in in the game against Oklahoma State last year. Mm -hmm. So TCU's dealt with these big, monstrous wide receivers. Haven't really seen a guy of Moore's caliber that is Moore's size. And so it'll be interesting to see how kind of the small moving around. It's almost like having to play Kevontae Turpin or Jalen Rager yeah, um, and I, deal with them. Well, I, the one that comes to mind, and I don't know exactly how the size lines up, is uh, Hollywood Brown from Oklahoma. Uh, mm. Marquise, who, who I'm pretty sure had a, had a couple of big scores against uh, TCU. I probably blocked them out. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, 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 but but same type of player. Um, and, again, just supremely talented. So it's it's uh, – going to really be an early season challenge for Gladney and anyone else in the safeties that's you know, helping cover. Right, definitely. Um, you'd think that that game would be game day in West Lafayette because oh. Purdue had a big win last year. And I think the only other game is like a Stanford, Oregon or something. They'll give it to and that. And so maybe I'll give it to the Pac-12, but you could see pe- uh, feasibly game day being I there. I do not want game day being there. That, no, that's, that's a all, all sorts disaster. of weird mojo. Yeah, that's not good yeah. at all. No, 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 no. no. I, w- I want people to forget about that game. Like, let's put that on <laughs> Fox Sports Southwest plus extra. Uh, yeah. That's a prime candidate for, like, fans of other schools to get a text. Like, TCU's down by 14 to Purdue in the third quarter. Get over it. It's like, oh, no. Now we got the whole yeah. nation. Yeah, yeah. That is going to be a weird That is going to be a weird game. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a great, oh, great I, view. I can't wait, but I'm going to just dread it the entire week. Yep. Um, okay, so the third make-or-break game yeah. uh, for TCU season is, according to you, is Baylor. Yeah. Talk to me about the Baylor Bears and why it's a make-or-break game for TCU. Because this year I think Baylor might have the chance to sort of not turn the tide of the rivalry, but, but kind of even things up a little bit. Um, I'm, it's weird, I'm, I think I'm lower on Charlie Brewer than a lot of people are, but I'm higher on Baylor as a whole. Um, and I think that's because I really like Matt Rule. Um, and I think he's got this team turning around. Um, Baylor's going to finally be healthier than they have been in years. Um, Brewer's not afraid to run. He's got good receivers around him. I think the offense is going to be outstanding. Um, and this is going to be one of those late-in-the-season games where both teams are probably eyeing for you know second or third in the, in, in the Big 12 um, if the standings shake out that way and maybe could decide you know second place if, if Oklahoma has a lock on first. So on, you know, on November 9th, um, again, it's a toss-up game. ESPN has it as a 53.4% favorite for TCU. Um, it is home, which is nice, uh, but it also comes after playing Texas uh, at Oklahoma State, which has not been easy for TCU. Then the week after, Baylor, you go at Lubbock and at Norman. Um, so there's a chance where, you know, you play at Tech, and Tech's not going to be great this year, but it's still in Lubbock. Uh, Anyway, it's, it's just one of those games where they need a win there, TCU does, in order to keep momentum going for the rest of the year and, and get a leg up on Baylor for what could be a, a spot in the Big 12 championship game. Definitely, especially if TCU beats Iowa State or Texas or, or goes one-on-one against that. That mm-hmm. Baylor win will kind of separate the men from the boys. I, I yeah. think I've maintained that uh, Baylor is going to beat one of TCU, Texas, Oklahoma this year. Yeah, um, they just had sure. that vibe of kind of a spoiler, a little bit of like Iowa State two years ago, where you're like, oh, they have some things on paper, they should be good. And they, when they put it together, they're actually really good. Um, Baylor brings back more production than anyone in the Big 12. They're yeah. 20th overall in returning production. Um, and you got to think quarterback and defense are kind of the, the, the two 
yeah. foundations, and they, they check the boxes there. They've got some offensive line uh, questions. You know, they have experience, but they're also, or I guess they, they're old, but they might not have experience. And so there's definitely some big question marks, but I think this will be, uh, if, if normal was, you know, 2014, two mm-hmm. high-quality TC Baylor teams, and you had, like, ugly game 2015, TCU stomps them 16, TCU stomps them 17, uh, TCU runs away with the weird, weird game in 2018. Uh-huh. So you're kind of wondering, okay, this might be normal of, like, a real football game between two functioning and healthy teams it's going to be it's going to be exciting because i think the stakes will be as high in that game as they have been since at least 2015 if not if not before absolutely and i mean you talk about returning production just looking at the baylor death chart that's kind of projected they have uh 10 seniors or juniors or excuse me nine seniors or juniors that'll start on defense you know they return you know uh, clay johnson's a redshirt sophomore's a uh excuse me redshirt i can't say that word redshirt senior is a middle linebacker <laughs> Uh, you know, we saw him at media days. He's going to have a great season. Um, anyway, yeah, the, the defense is just old and experienced, and that's better than you could say uh, for most Baylor defenses in the past few years. So it's, it's got to be a different there is, Baylor team. There is the argument I, I always think about, like, returning production is good, but good returning production mm-hmm. is better. Mm-hmm. And so TCU, or, uh, Baylor's defense last year, 99th in S&P, um, they won two games where they had a win expectancy of less than – 28 percent uh so a post game win expectancy yeah so that that? kansas state game 27 percent post game win expectancy the adjusted scored scoring margin was 5.6 uh in favor of kansas state and the uh oklahoma state game oh yeah they were oh 35 sorry i read that backwards they had 35 percent for the oklahoma state game minus 3.7 adjusted scoring uh their defense played in the 26th percentile in that game and the 10th percentile against kansas state so they that defense yep. is bringing back experience. You'd expect it to increase, but it's not exactly like a stalwart unit. No, that's fair. Um, I think the Charlie Brewer hype is already annoying. Um, oh, oh, not yeah. to say he's not a good play. He's decent above average. I I wish he was starting for TCU this year. Like, yeah, yeah he's solid above average, getting smarter with the ball, runs too much. But um, I think the hype train for him is, is kind of out of control. Well, And that's what's weird is because Baylor's have, like, a, even in their, you know, troublesome years, we'll say, they've had good quarterbacks, like, Bryce Petty never had this kind of hype going into a season. And Bryce Petty's yeah. a better quarterback than Charlie Brewer in college. I think, you know, definitely, definitely. Uh, yeah, the whole thing's weird. But, again, you look at the receiver core, Denzel Mims, outstanding. Even at running back, Jermichael Hayes, he's good. I mean, you know, it, the skill the skill positions are there. Um, and if Brewer's not, you know, a top quarterback in the Big 12, at least he has people he can get the ball to that are going to be outstanding. But, definitely. Yeah. And uh, I think the best thing about the TCU-Baylor uh, – revivalry being kind of normalized and back to back to where it was is um i like matt rule like i want him to lose every game but he is a good guy and i want him to like i i'm fine with him building a program in baylor i want to beat the pants off of them every time we play but it's so different seeing this you know three years later where we're not like oh this is just gross that we're playing against this guy right uh, it's like, no, he's a good guy, he's a good football coach, and he's our spirited rival. That's really fun. Yeah, I enjoy, I agree. And this is just a, a small aside. I talked about this at Media Days, but um, Dave Campbell's did a poll, uh, and I, I wrote a column about I wrote a column about this. Um, he was he's the second most trusted coach uh, in Texas by Texas high school football coaches, all behind only Gary Patterson. And he's only been here for like two or three years, and he's like a New York City lifer. Yeah. Uh, so the fact that he's been able to do that in such a small time at Baylor is just proof he's a good dude. Again, that being said, I want to stomp Baylor every time we play him. But. 
Definitely. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't want to say too many nice things. No, but, no, no, no. Um, ESPN has that at a 53% TCU win. So you see already a, a couple coin flip games on TCU's um, schedule. Mm-hmm. And those three are all all towards the closer end of, of predictions. So that's interesting. Like if TCU wins those three games, um, Purdue, Texas, Baylor, things will be going really, really right in Fort Worth. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and again, they come at such pivotal times in the schedules, too, to where, you know, it, it'll shake out to where those will really help Frogs and Again, possibly a race for a Big 12 title game berth. Definitely. Um, all right, so moving through the schedule and looking at a couple other things past those make-or-break games. So you uh, had this series, Enemy at the Gates, mm-hmm. and you previewed some units specifically that TC was going to face. Um, so you had Purdue's wide receivers in there. You had Sam Ellinger at Texas, and so we won't spend too much time on them. I would like to hear um, about three units specifically because I think they're – kind of interesting uh, and i don't know if you did this intentionally they're not exactly what you would think about right uh as a, as a big strength but they're actually a pretty surprising strength so the first one i want to talk about is let's hear about iowa state's defensive line um why did you preview them and and what should we expect in the tcu iowa state game sure so i was looking at um just sort of various production metrics uh last year for for, for defenses in the big 12 and you know iowa state obviously you know, one of the better defenses in the conference um you're you're the stack guy. I, I can't tell you exactly what metric it was that kind of tipped me off, but uh, I remember just looking at a bunch of lists and it was, okay, Iowa State, Iowa State, Iowa State. Uh, they're the best rush defense in the Big 12, uh, 3.3 yards per attempt, 115 yards per game. Uh, second best pass defense in the Big 12. Again, this is yards per attempt and yards per game, so not necessarily you know the, the more advanced metrics, but for laymen like me, you know that's pretty good. Also, the best scoring defense at 22.9 points per game. That's not tempo adjusted or anything, but still very good. Uh, and the large part of that success is the defensive line. Um, they had the third most sacks in the Big 12 uh, with 33. Uh, and they had the most yards worth of sacks at 258. So when they got you, it was for big losses. Dang. Uh, yeah, they were uh, 16th in uh, uh, sack rate on, on okay. standard downs okay. um, uh, in the nation, 16th in the nation. Okay. So, yeah, so yeah. pretty daggum good. Yeah. Uh, and then, and surprisingly, 54th on passing downs. So third and long, they were playing their, playing their coverage a little more. Okay. But um, yeah, but so on, on on standard downs, when you're lining up and trying to run a play, they're coming after you for sure. They are, and they have a tackle and an end that'll do damage. Um, Jaquan Bailey is an end, uh, and he's kind of a he's a smaller frame guy at you know, 6'2", 255. And then you got Ray Lima, who's 6'3", 305 at tackle. Uh, Bailey's tied for the school's career sack record with 18 and a half. He had eight sacks last year. Uh, and they'll be joined by people who, you know, weren't starters last year, but did see a lot of time. Um, Jamal Johnson, I named in the in the, the column. He played all 13 games, had 13 tackles, two sacks, and a fourth fumble. Uh, so, adding to Bailey and Lima with guys that you know saw playing time last year and, and have the talent that's there, uh, that's what makes them so so kind of frustrating or to, to play against because they're just so solid at every position on the defensive line. Definitely, that's uh. So for those counting at home, that is 854. Five pounds of man uh-huh. returning on the Iowa State line, uh, and they combined for a total of 23, 27, 28 and a half run stuffs between the three of them, which is just absurd. Um, yeah, that's that's going to be a stout unit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and last year, it didn't I mean, look, TCU's offense was anemic for much of the year, but they only had 299 yards of offense last year against Iowa State. Um, Darius Anderson was the leading rusher at 66 yards. Um, and you know, so obviously TC is not the best, you know, barometer for what, uh, you know, for a good offense to judge a defense against. But we couldn't do anything against them last year, and it was seventeen to fourteen, and 
you know, in a season of weird games, that was one of the weirder ones. So yeah, I think so. I did a I did a podcast hit last night. We talked about CCU's most important game. And uh, I think I mentioned very casually something I hadn't actually thought about, but TCU was basically in a bowl last year because Iowa State was weirdly bad until they started Bright Pur- Brock Purdy. Yeah. Like, we just didn't, we just caught them at the right time. Otherwise, we would have gotten destroyed. Yeah, absolutely. And now they have Purdy and the defensive line back. So it's, yes, for sure. Um, it, Iowa State could have easily been a candidate for one of the more important games of the year. Um, but, I, but I really think the defensive line is going to be one of those lines that's fun to watch because they're so aggressive um especially you know racking up sacks or big yard stuff like that i love sacks uh, I'll, I'll watch youtube sack compilations uh, whenever i'm bored big, I love big fan of that oh yeah um all right so next i want to go to um the your, next in your preview series the uh most the 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 most efficient rushing offense uh in snp oklahoma yep. a team that's known for their flashy offense and their big plays, but um, sneakily, I mean, they were first in basically every category you could come up with on offense, but also in rushing. They, they had a rushing game that was um, really, really good. And so your, your preview for them uh, was Oklahoma's running backs, which um, is crazy. They, they lost Rodney Anderson last year, and um, they actually really didn't suffer because of it. Um, and so tell me a little bit about Oklahoma and their running backs. Yeah, sure. So it's going to be uh, Kennedy Brooks and uh, uh, Trey Sermon coming back. Brooks, I, there was a lot of rumors about him in camp, and I, I don't want to speak on that because I don't know the exact scenario, but I know there was some question about whether or not he was going to be able to play, and he has been cleared. Uh, it was a Title IX investigation, so I think Lincoln Riley addressed that at uh, media days. But um, Anyway, so yeah, it'll be Brooks and Sermon. Um, Sermon um, averaged 5.8 yards a carry last year. Brooks averaged 8.9 yards per carry. Uh, on 119 carries as a Jeez. freshman. Um, so he's a redshirt sophomore this year. Uh, only played in 12 games, still led the Sooners in rushing yard. Um, and it's just those two guys that kind of bring that, this is the most cliched you know, expression in the world, but thunder and lightning, whatever, two different styles. Sermon's bigger at six foot, 224. Uh, and it's actually a pretty good receiver. Um, 12 catches, 181 yards. And then Brooks is at 5'11", 205, and is just incredibly speedy. Um, you can see it. I mean, if you go read the, the piece I, I wrote, um, there's a YouTube video of just how they ran against TCU, and it's Sermon just mowing through linebackers and defensive backs, and then Brooks, you know, cutting, juking around guys, um, and that's who you have to contend with. Obviously, not a running back, but now you add Jalen Hurts to the mix, who you know is bigger than Kyler Murray, probably not as fast, but is an incredible runner as we saw in Alabama. So. Uh, just going to be another thing for you know defenses uh, against Oklahoma to account for. Definitely that uh, that YouTube video also the still for that has an awesome picture of I think that's I think that's Trey Sermon yeah just stiff arming the bejesus out of Garrett Wall like <laughs> it's yeah tough. It's, it's, it's kind tough. of impressive yeah it really um, is. yeah and you had Jalen Hurts to that and that's you know a formidable unit uh, that's going to be back for more so um, definitely stuff or definitely definitely a unit to look out for and again kind of a sneaky one. Okay, last in this uh, unit preview is uh, Oklahoma State's secondary, which, again, Oklahoma State, a team known for uh, passing, not exactly known for defense. And uh, interesting interesting pick there. What have you highlighted or what did you find about Oklahoma State's secondary that makes them worth being on TC's radar? Yeah, so I think, you know, you could have looked at other teams um, with their secondaries. You know, Texas comes to mind. you got Caden Stern, guys like that. But I think Oklahoma State has what it takes to – 
surprise teams with their secondary. And to me, that's you know kind of a uh, intangible thing, but that's what makes them so dangerous. Um, so AJ Green uh, is a senior, not the Bengals wide receiver, different guy. And redshirt junior uh, Rodarius Williams are back. Um, Green is a second team All Big Twelve selection from last year. Um, he had 39 tackles, 11 breakups. Uh, Williams had 49 tackles, eight breakups, and two picks. This isn't a, a unit that's going to intercept a lot of passes, but they will play physical with your receivers, and they will break up passes. Um, Malcolm Rodriguez at safety uh, was an honorable mention last year as a sophomore, um, second on the team in tackles with 83. He only actually broke up one pass all season, but he's extremely good in run support. A converted high school wrestler. I'm sure he's a physical guy. Um, and then you got three freshmen who had to play safety last year. And like you said, you know, returning experience is good, but good players returning is better. I think all three of these guys had the potential to be really good players. Um, you know, Jarek Bernard was uh, Oklahoma State's outstanding newcomer of the year in 2018, for what that's worth. Had 59 tackles, an interception, a punt block, and a forced fumble uh, as a true freshman. So, to me, that's you know a, a unit that could really surprise some people. And I think Jim Knowles, a defensive coordinator, is entering his second year and will be able to be more aggressive, know who he has uh, with his personnel. And he admittedly wants to do better than last year. I think he said they wobbled uh, last year. and um, So he, he wants to be more aggressive, which, which I think is going to wreak havoc, especially against TCU and depending on who we start a quarterback could, you know, could be an issue. Definitely, and uh, TCU gets them late enough in the season that uh, TCU gets them week seven yeah. of the season. Yeah. I guess that's technically week nine with the buys, but so it's TCU's seventh game, and so Oklahoma State could very easily get, gain a lot of experience in the mm-hmm. secondary uh, in between the start of season and when they uh, when they come down to Fort Worth, or when, I guess, yeah. excuse me, well, when TCU goes up to Stillwater. <laughs> exactly, and, and I really do think... A, the personnel is good, and B, Jim Knowles, I think, is a good defensive coordinator that had a rough first year, uh, and I think it's going to be a market improvement uh, in his second year. Um, so, so that's why I think it could be a, a real kind of a surprise challenge for TCU. Definitely, and uh, and they're they're going to be super fun on the other side of the ball. I'm interested to see how much rain Mike Gundy gives Sean Gleason from uh, yeah. Princeton. He did say, I asked him at Big 12 Media Days um, what, he, what we could expect to see, and he kind of gave the standard, you know, we're going to run our system and run our plays. But um, Gleason, his offense was weird. And so uh, I used to look at some of the highlights for Princeton, and they were, they were pretty fun. So um, it'll be interesting to see how Knowles takes that step forward and how that meshes with kind of a, a new and improved offense, as it were. Exactly. And, you know, I don't know how much, you know, I know um, Bill Connolly, you know, you know, he'll talk a lot about turnovers luck. From what I'm reading about Oklahoma State, it seems like they do break up a lot of passes. They just don't catch a whole lot of them. So if that luck changes in you know 2019, interception rates may go up, stuff like that. So just another thing to think about. But. Definitely, definitely. Um, all right, so there you have it. You have uh, you know the three most important games for TCU, and then uh, five units that TCU is going to have to focus on, and, and that might be a thorn in TCU sides upcoming this season. So uh, definitely, we recommend all the listeners go check that out if you haven't read that. Uh, before. Uh, The last thing I want to do, Grant, is uh, I'm looking at the S&P Plus and the FPI line for TCU wins. Uh, 7.1 for S&P and 7.3 for FPI projection uh, for wins this season. So the first thing I'll ask is uh, kind of the broader uh, over or under 7.5 wins for TCU this season. Uh, I'll take the over. 
Um, normally, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much I – I like to consider myself a realist when it comes to TCU football, but I think there's a eight-win, if things break right, a nine-win team here for sure. Um, so I'll, I'll take the over. Yeah, if, if Max Duggan is the you know, second coming of Andy Dalton mm-hmm. right now, maybe we're in the championship game again. But I, I, think, I think a ceiling of eight or nine is, is pretty respectable. Um, yeah, I think, I think I would definitely take the over as well. So do you, have a, do you have a schedule pulled up? I do. Okay, so let's do this. We're just going to go game by game and do win or loss, and we can kind of identify okay. where we think the season's going to go. Let me get a pin because I'm going to absolutely just give TCU like 11 wins without realizing. Yeah, I'm going to say, yeah. hey, they can probably win that. Yeah, yeah, oh, okay, yeah they'll win that. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, what have I done? Okay. Uh, all right, I'm ready when you are. Okay, so uh, UAPB. Yeah, I'll, call, I'll, I'll give win. TCU a win there, yeah. They, uh, they lost a game last year 90-6. to six. And they also won a game last year, fifty-five to nothing. How crazy is that? Huh. Who did they play? It was ninety-six. Uh, oh shoot! I don't know. Uh, I looked it up not, yesterday. Yeah, they played. Point. They played an actual FCS team, and okay. then they played Cumberland, who's like D two or D three or something, and won yeah. fifty-five to nothing. So it wasn't two hundred twenty-two to nothing, but it was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, wasn't yeah, that yeah, bad? Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So Arkansas Pine Bluff. All right. Uh, then we get a bye week at Purdue. I'll say win, but I don't feel good about it. I feel. Very nervous about it. Yeah, I, I think that's my shakiest win on the schedule. I agree. I'm going to call it a win, but but I'm not happy about it. Yeah. Um, all right, SMU. Yeah, win. I think that one is a little bit annoying after Purdue, mm-hmm. uh, but I think TC wins. Um, Kansas win, and I'll say this: I, I wrote something about this the other day. I think this is the year TCU finally wins by more than two touchdowns. <laughs> I know. I guess two years ago, there was a blowout. I know Turbin ran a punt back. I was at that game at night. But every other game has been frustratingly close or lost. I think they blow out Kansas this year. Yeah, you'd, you'd like to think if there was some kind of flaw in preparation or overlooking that's habitually been going on, that this year of all years, they would fix that. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, especially with, like, new uh, – I say new, but really, like, old offense and defense coming in. Mm-hmm kind of an old school it might be a little easier to prep for so all right uh next october 5th in ames i'll say that's a loss okay yeah i i to me that's my shakiest loss but i'll I'll say a loss i'm calling that i'm calling that a w okay um i think the same quarterback will not play in the first five games and so i think iowa state will be the quarterback that's established okay I, i hope it is uh, yeah, I think yeah. that's. I mean, that's the time to do it heading into the bye week. Um, Definitely, yeah, for sure. Okay, okay, okay. We got the bye on October twelfth uh, at Kansas State. That's a win. My win. Yeah. All right. Uh, then we have Texas on the twenty sixth. That is. I'll say it's a loss. Yeah, I, I, think, yeah. I think that's a loss. Herman's the motivator guy, and this feels like a motivating game. Yeah, I. I yeah. I will say I don't think I don't think Texas beats Oklahoma and TCU in that three no, week span. I agree. So if they lose to Oklahoma, I think we're I think we're done for. And the Red River rivalry is always really weird, so it's hard to predict. But I think Oklahoma, like you know, losing last year in the actual Cotton Bowl, probably really stung, and I doubt they're going to do that again this year. Um, but like, does Jalen Hurts really care about no, that? No, he doesn't. No, absolutely. Yeah, not. and I, well, honestly, I'm not sure Lincoln Riley does either. Now that I think yeah. about it, but at least there'll be more you know pressure. I think. Lincoln Riley's just going to be shopping for houses during the uh, Red River <laughs> exactly. rivalry, so he doesn't actually exactly. care. 
Exactly. <laughs> okay, uh, November 2nd at, uh, at Oklahoma State, win or loss? Uh, win. It's hard to win in Stillwater. TCU's very bad at it, but I'll say that's a win. Okay. Uh, November 9th, Baylor. Win. I think it's a win. I think next okay. year's is when Baylor breaks that streak. I think it's. I think it's a win. The yeah, the Charlie Brewer senior senior uh-huh. showboat. Um, okay, can I just point something out? Yes. I currently have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight wins uh-huh. with three weeks left in the uh-huh. season. Yeah, I. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's keep going. November sixteenth, Texas Tech. Uh, win. All right. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say win as well. I don't think Texas Tech has the personnel that they want this year. Uh, and as good as Alan Bowman is, I don't think he's anywhere near the quality of, say, even a Jordan Love from Utah State. No. So, yeah. But I do like, okay. I do like Matt oh. Wells. I'll say that. I like, I like Matt Wells. Again, good guy, runs a really smart offense, yeah. and seems to be hiring the right people on defense. Don't think it happens this no, year. No, absolutely not. Uh, November 23rd, Oklahoma. Uh, loss. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I just don't think TCU's there. No. Um, November 29th, West Virginia. That's a win. Thinking that's a win too. Yeah. So, okay, let's count these up. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. At, so there's <laughs> there's a path to ten. I'm at nine and three, and and I'll be honest with you, I'm not convinced TCU won't beat Texas, but I, I I can't call it a ten and two season. I just don't feel comfortable, so I think that's probably what I'm gonna yeah. say is a loss. Yeah, yeah, ten is ten is a lot. Um, I think I think if it, I looked in my heart, I would go back and switch that Iowa State game. One of Iowa State or Purdue, I would switch. But I, you, which one would you rather lose? Oh, I mean Purdue. Well, Big Twelve standings, yeah. But because because you think about like we're not going to go to the playoff. No, uh, no, no. If we lose one of those, and so you'd rather. I mean, well, let me rephrase that. If we, you got to win the Big Twelve to go to the playoff. Yes. And so I want to do the thing that maximizes our chance to win the playoff or win uh-huh. the win the Big Twelve. So I think I think Iowa State would hurt less than Purdue. Um, I think it would be a really good movement though for Gary Patterson to kind of establish himself as. No, you're, I'm I'm the old man. Like yeah. we still we still run this. Okay, We're still Jeff. the young fun upstart. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Get out of here, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, I got you. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Okay, so we'll see. I, you know, I hope no one keeps track of that, and I'm probably going to throw this piece of paper away right after this. But I just, I like we're previewing it and kind of seeing what's going on there. Yeah. Um, I, I listen. I tweeted something the other day. I, I'd gotten us to 11 and one in my mind at some point this off season, and it, it wasn't really that hard to do. But I, I think realistically, eight and four, nine and three is where it's at. Yeah, I think I think I agree with that too. Just my heart gets me when I start talking about individual games. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm in for some heartbreak this year. Um, I do need to break some news. I wish I had a breaking news ticker. Huh. Uh, I just we just got a message from our own Melissa Trugwasser. Oh. Uh, apparently, uh, Tathan Tate Martell tore his name off his locker, stormed out of the locker room, and didn't show up to practice today. My special son. Uh, yeah. yeah, I'm. I'm so glad that he is uh, duly grateful for his privileged status as one who could get a transfer waiver. Let me ask you this: If Tholomew Martell transferred to TCU, like right, uh, let's say he had transferred in the beginning of August, would you want him to start at quarterback for TCU? No, one because I don't think he's good. I think he transferred because he was going to get beat out by Justin Fields, okay. who couldn't beat out Jake from yeah, State Farm. That's true. That's true. Uh, yeah, so I, I don't think he has the talent. Okay. Um, I would rather Matthew Baldwin start. I always want. I. I mean, we've seen quarterbacks who think that they should be in charge of everything, and I don't. Yeah, I don't. That's that doesn't fair. go That's well. Fair. That's fair. Fair enough. So. Okay, so well, I, I don't know. If, I hate to hijack your podcast and ask you a question. No, no, no this is end, this but, is our podcast. Thanks, Parker. But but so I'm guessing you want Max Duggan to start. 
the game. I don't know, man. I I think Heart of Hearts, uh, Delton, Gary's not going to throw anybody besides Alex Delton out there. I agree. I thought for a minute he was going to start Collins. And I had talked myself into Collins pretty good because it's like the devil you know, and he's not terrible, he's not amazing, and he has enough talent around him that he could consistently distribute the ball and not, uh, not turn the ball over. Um, I'm not one of those like second quarter of Oklahoma truthers. That's like Mike, Mike Collins is actually good. No, he's like decent. He's fine. He's he's not good. He's okay. I think I tweeted um, out that he ruined Boo Radley Hines' career in that game. <laughs> I, I, I was I was I don't know what I was doing that day. It was it was a long day. I very much reminded some jean short wearing Oklahoma fans of his prior enrollment in the Ivy League uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, that that entire day. Uh, yeah, so I think I think it's Delton, and then I think I mean Rogers has been coming on in practice, evidently, yeah. but I don't think he'll actually start. Um, I think I think Dugan takes over, hopefully, like SMU, maybe. Yeah, that's. What I hope you. I, I hope we win the Purdue game, and then Delton just like, if he's gonna implode, implodes during like SMU or Kansas, and we can recover it. Yeah, um, like first half SMU like three picks and just throw Max in there and have him, you know. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't hate. If that. we have a if we have a quarterback change after Kansas, uh, it's gonna be it's gonna, it's be, gonna bad. be real bad. Yeah. 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 Okay, that's fair. And no, I, I what, listen, what are your what are your thoughts? Well, I, I I want Max to start, but I know Gary's weary of starting you know, young guys like that. I, I think Delton is a serviceable quarterback. I don't think he's going to be, you know, worse than what we had last year. All right, I've got to apologize to the listeners there. We lost just about a minute of audio on the end of this podcast. Um, but that was kind of where we were wrapping up on the quarterback. So I'm okay with that that lost footage being out there in the ether. Um, really enjoyed having Grant on the podcast tonight. You can find him on Twitter at Grant McGalliard, spelled just like it sounds. And, of course, writing multiple pieces a week at frogs of war uh don't forget to follow me at stats of war i've got a couple interesting pieces coming up this week looking at some expected points data just got my hands on and um, kind of getting ramped up for some analysis this season follow us on twitter at frogs of war reach out talk to us um, we're we're just excited for the season to start as you are all right uh thanks for listening and we'll catch up with you on the internet